This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Dream Job Ready. My name is Dane Sharp. I'm your host and my guest for this episode is Michelle Grace Hunter, one of Australia's most revered music photographers. Michelle broke into professional photography about a decade ago and has played an integral role in documenting, promoting and showcasing Australian music, especially Aussie hip-hop and Australian female musicians. She's photographed hundreds of Australian and international artists, from intimate personal portraits with the likes of Raekwon and Miguel, album covers for Briggs and Camp Cope and dozens of live concerts and festivals. She should actually be on tour with young superstar artist Rule right now, but the COVID-19 crisis has obviously hit Michelle and her industry hard, with most events, gigs and live music put on hiatus indefinitely. Instead, Michelle joins me for this interview via Zoom from her home in Melbourne, where she's busy proactively reacting to the COVID-19 isolation situation. Michelle's taken to Twitch to run photography workshops every week, and I encourage you to check them out if you're chasing a career in music photography. Her handles are in the podcast description. I really enjoyed this chat with Michelle and this episode is packed with value. She shares plenty of honest advice about making it in photography. She talks about the hard work, the long hours and the need to self-motivate. She shares advice about time management and how to best juggle work, travel, business and a home life. She discusses what it's like working with and for musicians and celebrities and the importance of reading the room, respecting the artist, building relationships and the importance of trust. You're going to get a lot of value out of this episode, regardless of the dream job you're chasing. So let's get into it. This is Dream Job Ready with photographer Michelle Grace Hunter. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. G'day, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dream Job Ready podcast. Uh, here we are recording this via Zoom, given the, uh, the current COVID-19 situation. Uh, but alas, I know this is going to be a really good interview. To, so thank you for joining me. No worries. Um, yeah, we're practicing good social distancing right now. Yeah, hundred percent. Given the given the scenario we're in, um, we're obviously both well versed in online conference calls and and, and digi communication. So I think we'll be fine. Look, look. First up, um, just wanted to ask, how are you, and uh, how are you dealing with this current situation? Um, you know, it's rocked the world, and and specifically has has really rocked the industry you work in. Yeah, it really has actually. Um, for me personally, I think I was a little bit better mentally prepared than um, some of my colleagues and friends. I had basically a month's work cancelled a little while back. We were touring to Asia um, on a tour with an artist that I worked with, Rule, and that was basically all of March. Um, And then so we found out 
I reckon maybe it must have been the start of February that that wasn't going ahead. Um, that particular tour, we would have had to go into China um, and then they had um, implemented, I, I think, a travel ban at that stage. So if you went into China, you couldn't get out. So at that stage, we had to basically cancel that tour. It's been postponed to um, September. So, you know, I was already faced with a month that I had been booked for that completely disappeared overnight um, and I was kind of scrambling to fill that gap and uh, luckily for me I don't rely on just um, I guess gig and and tour work I do press shots with um, musicians and artists as well so I was able to um, basically fill in that gap with press shots um, so I, I was okay up until I guess uh, pretty much this week I think and then and then everything started to really um, gain a bit of momentum in Australia and I just personally just started postponing all of my shoots and just saying I I, I would like to um, practice a bit of kind of as much self-isolation as possible. I was very across what was going on. I'm very connected on Twitter and I was uh, very aware of the situation and probably taking it a lot more seriously here than a lot of, pe a lot of people were earlier. Um, so, yeah, I, I just started to push shoots and, and most people were really understanding. Even at that point, did it seem like it was just that was that part of the tour that was have to, you know, was going to have to be postponed and just back to work, uh, back to usual elsewhere? Yes, definitely at that time. So that would have been like early February, even late January, early February. And people that I told were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It was in China. So, of course, that had been cancelled. It really, um, the worldwide impact definitely wasn't known, I think, at that point. It was only a couple of weeks later when it really started to hit Italy um, and then I think for me personally, I started to think, yeah, this is, I, I can see where this is heading and it's not good. I don't know if anyone could have um, predicted the just absolute kind of decimation of every industry. Uh, and, you know, my, I'm in the music industry, so I feel like concerts really started to cancel really early. I had friends calling me saying my, my next kind of six to eight months work is gone, um, especially those who... Are predominantly just shooting concerts and, and gigs um, that's looks like for the foreseeable future um, that's not going to go ahead so yeah it, it's just wild I mean it's we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime uh, for me personally my brain has just gone into overdrive and, and what am I going to do and, and starting to think of innovative ways that I can stay connected and um, yeah that that's kind of what I'm planning over the next couple of weeks is to start um, a Twitch stream and live streaming either my editing process or mini workshops or doing Q&As because I do get a lot of questions about, you know, how can I do what you do? And um, it, it's actually impossible to answer all those people. It, it, they come in so frequently now. So hopefully this is a platform that I can actually communicate to a lot of people and, and they can watch videos and, um, and live streaming I don't know how I've never done anything like this. So it's like, it's kind of a bit exciting and terrifying all at the same time, but. I'll, I'll be sure to share those, um, the links to those sites uh, in, in my description um, to help you out. And, and, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, obviously one of the hardest hit um, industries has, has been the creative industry, um, you know, musicians, uh, productions, theater houses, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in some ways, you know, the, the opportunity that, that, that industry has is we are creatives right so it'd be very yeah. interesting to see how much um 
you know, new and uh, exciting and innovative stuff come out of this. And I've seen and, and, you know, been approached with, you know, partnerships and sponsorships through, through other work that I do around people that are hosting, you know, day events, live streaming or doing, you know, starting to do live concerts, et cetera. So, yeah. um, you know, I, th- I think yeah, you're I'm seeing, definitely seeing a lot of that myself. My, my Instagram has just been um, the last couple of days, especially just consistently people going live on Instagram and, and bringing people in for chats or doing live concerts or um, yeah, which is, it's kind of pretty amazing. It's like, you know, there was a um, John Legend concert from his um, room, you know, his, his house the other day and his wife, you're sitting on the piano and and um so you know i think people will get really creative i think the, the tricky part for us is like i have no doubt that we can be creative and we can stay connected is like um is how we're going to earn an income that's yeah. that's the tricky part so and and at the, this stage you know all of the stimulus packages they're talking about are, are completely ignoring our sector and and because most of us are sole traders or contractors um there's yep. no um, kind of help in sight at the moment. I mean, hopefully that changes, but um, there's a lot of people that are going to be in a really, really rough situation very, very soon. So um, hopefully we can just band together as a community and really help each other. And I think the most important thing is the lines of communication and talking. And if you need a hand, you know, sticking your hand up and um, saying you need help, but it's, yeah really rough but what we're trying to remain positive like I said just trying I'm trying to use my anxious energy to <laughs> create new stuff so see how we go no exactly right and um you know I'm looking forward to some of that stuff you produce and and you know one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on the dream job ready podcast is you know I think your story um through photography and and um you know what you've been able to to achieve uh since picking up the camera and starting this part of your career um, is phenomenal, and that's that's really what I want to focus on today. I was definitely keen to explore, you know, some of the challenges and uh, and difficulties that do come up. Um, probably yeah. none have maybe felt as extreme as right now, but um, you know, for any budding photographer out there or someone that's starting to get into content creation, I'd love us to discuss a little bit of that. So why don't we just mm-hmm. sort of jump pre-coronavirus, uh, you know, BCV? <laughs> yeah. um, what was keeping you busy? What what was your dream job? You know, a few months ago before the world got rocked. Yeah, it's so funny because I really feel like in terms of like my setting up my career and and doing exactly what I wanted to do, it really had clicked in for me in the last probably two years. Um, So I'm a professional music photographer, um, probably gathered that by now, but basically what keeps me busy is uh, press shots, um, album covers, those types of shoots for artists, as well as shooting live gigs and concerts. So I probably, um, the balance over the years has been interesting. It probably started off doing more gigs and then going into more press shots. Um, And then recently, because I've been working um, really closely with Rule, I've been doing a lot more um, touring with him, which has always been my dream from the start. I I really wanted to be um, a tour photographer and on the road a lot. And that has really kind of come into fruition over the last two years. So um yeah traveling the world taking photos for an artist that um I adore and like genuinely love his music and have been working with him since he was like 13 so watching his rise as well and and being involved with a team that um are my best friends so it's 
quite literally the the dream job for me like everything about you know from the minute that I wake up is just been yeah incredibly I've been incredibly blessed and I'm very grateful for all of the opportunities that have happened in especially the last couple of years yeah so let's let's get into the guts of how you got this job, uh, and I'm sure I'm sure it's not a one sentence answer. Uh, you know, this is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of hard work, some luck, some uh, probably some lessons, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and I'll throw it to you wherever you want to start us up, start us off from. Should I say? Um, yeah, let's, totally. Let's talk through. You know, for everyone out there that, and there'd be millions that would love to be you know rules personal photographer. <laughs> um, how did we get here? Yeah, how'd you get there? Yeah, it's such a weird story. So like, I guess my background is I studied sports science at university. Um, I thought I was going to be like a physio and (laughs) working in sport. Um, Like I was obsessed with basketball as like a teenager. So um, yeah, that's what I studied at university. I ended up actually working in sports marketing for um, quite a few years. And I remember when I was 21, I got a job in the marketing department for the NBL. And I literally thought, this is it. Like I've, this is my dream. Like I've reached my dream. I can't get any better than this. Um, and then 18 months later, I was actually made redundant. The, um, the NBL office moved and, um, you know, early on I realized that, you know, your dreams can be taken away from you like um, pretty quickly. So I, I ended up working in AFL, um, worked for Melbourne Football Club for four years and, and kind of navigated that from a marketing position and then through to events. I was the event manager there um, for about a year. And then I left and started doing just kind of corporate events for quite a few years. Um, I kind of pivoted after a little while and did some um, film production stuff. So I was working behind the scenes on some pretty major films like uh, Charlotte's Web and... um, uh, there was a Spielberg series that um, I've just, I don't know why I can't think of it at the moment, but uh, the Pacific 10 part Spielberg series. Um, so I did a few kind of big films and, um, and then I think the the pathway to photography, um, basically what happened is I, I had my own um, production dance production company, which started in around 2010, which was Australia's first independent dance production company. And it was this really um, incredible time to be involved and, and some really great people involved in, in getting this production on the stage. And um, But what happened there is a very hard business <laughs> lesson happened and um, that business basically fell uh, overnight. We were told we were in a lot of debt and... Uh, the business went into liquidation and and basically everything again was just like you know carpet pulled out from under you <laughs> like sure. uh, we personally my husband and I personally actually lost a lot of money in that business we'd invested in that business and um, I'd gone from this incredible high of you know seeing this production come onto the stage and it was touring Australia and it was doing really well really rave reviews and then all of a sudden <laughs> it was like into liquidation so um, can Probably I ask? Can biggest... I ask why? Can, can, can you talk to what um, happened? Like, what did you yeah, learn from I, that? It's such an interesting story. So there was, you know, there was three directors. Myself, I was the head of kind of the production side. We had a person responsible for the legal, and then we had a person responsible for accounts. 
Um, my biggest lesson for that is you definitely need to be across everything in business. Um, I wasn't across the accounts. And so I got told by the accounts person that, um, yeah, that we were not going to be making enough money for what we'd spent. And, and um, basically her budgeting had been completely wrong. And um, yeah, I, I, again, like I hadn't had any experience with, a business like that and you know from my perspective what I had done had all gone to plan um and yeah so it's it's just one of those really hard business lessons that you learn and I think for me personally um I just need to be across everything now and I think that's why I really thrive in a, a business like that um that I am responsible for everything and and there's the kind of buck stops with me if that makes sense so I can work as hard as I want or there's no one else to blame if I fail now. <laughs> so, sure. Um, so basically what happened in that period of, I guess the closest that I've come to depression, um, I, don't, I don't think I actually went into a dark depression, but I definitely felt like it could have been close at one point. Um, and... Yeah, basically what happened was my husband bought me a camera for Christmas <laughs> that year. So he um, had noticed that I liked taking photos at parties and I liked documenting things more than I didn't really see myself as a photographer. I just really liked to, I guess, remember um, events yeah. and he'd really noticed that. So, yeah, he bought me a camera, um, I guess, just at the right time and, and I threw myself into it. And it kind of just clicked really quickly. Like I went professional within kind of six months. I kind of set up a business, told everybody that this is what I was doing. I had incredible support from my friends. Um, All of my friends were getting married around that time. And all of them were like, yeah, you can totally shoot our wedding, which is wild to me now because like I'd literally just started. Um, So I had a lot of friends that were just putting a lot of faith in me and um, I guess, yeah, just um, giving me an opportunity to uh, learn really, really quickly. And yeah, within, like I said, within six months, I'd kind of gone professional. Um, and I guess the music photography started quite quickly as well. I, at that time, um, I knew an artist named Briggs, who's from Shepparton, and that's where I'm from. So he um, had got in contact with me. I hadn't seen him for like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years and he got in contact and he told me he was a rapper and I was like, whatever, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and then he sent me his music and I was just blown away and was just like, holy shit, I can't believe that there's music like this coming out of Australia. Like I've always been a massive hip-hop fan and um, quite connected to, I guess, the hip-hop community, but I wasn't really aware of the stuff happening in Australia, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so I just became really passionate about um, documenting hip-hop in Australia. So basically the first probably three or four years of my career were going to hip-hop gigs and just making sure everybody knew who I was and just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. I would have shot like, I don't know, 200 gigs. <laughs> For, for free or, or to, paid or both? Yeah, free, for free. I was just rocking up at everything. I was just making, I guess, making sure that people knew who I was and being part of the community and giving back and just being present. And, um, 
yeah, just documenting everything that was happening at that time. Um, and I guess the next big step from there is that I, I, I kind of made a goal for myself. I was like, I want to be Australia's most well-known hip hop photographer. And so the way that I thought that I could do that was by working one-on-one with artists. So I was like, okay, they need to know who I am. Like, it's not good enough just to go to shows because, you know, there might be three or four other photographers there, but I actually want to get a personal relationship with them. So I made a list of, I think it was like 10 artists that I wanted to work with and just started like contacting them saying, Hey, I'm doing this portrait series on Australian hip hop. Would you be keen to work with me? And it just kind of grew from there. And so I had 10 on the list it ended up being a two-year personal project that I ended up turning into a book, which is my first kind of project that came into fruition. It was called Rise and was released in 2014. And I worked with like 182 people. Wow. So um, it really, I guess, cemented myself in not only the Australian hip-hop scene, I guess, it was like the broader music community at that point. There was a lot of people that knew who I was after that release and, um, I really felt like then that was like, okay, I can call myself a music photographer. This is what I'm doing. And yeah, it's um, kind of gone from there. <laughs> that's, that's crazy, right? And, and, you know, flashback to, you know, those 200 odd gigs that you were rocking up at, as you say, um, you know, without giving away all your trade secrets, you know, wh- how were you doing <laughs> that? How were you, you know, were you were just walking in, buying a ticket? Were you contacting event organisers? Were you contacting yeah. the musicians? Yeah, I'd contact the musicians. Um, so I, it's really interesting because I kind of, because I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know there was like a way that you were meant to do stuff. So I was contacting artists direct and I was using Twitter a lot um, to do that. And um, I, yeah, obviously having a great um, response rate and people were like, yeah, sure, come along and shoot, it's fine, you know. And, and there were smaller gigs too. So like, you know, the gigs would probably be between, 50 and 150 people so it wasn't like um often you know there's this big protocol but then I was starting to shoot larger gigs so say there might be an artist that was supporting an international artist so that that might be a bigger show that you're shooting at a festival hall or something like that and that's when I started to become aware I guess of that there is kind of a protocol sometimes and that you are meant to go through publicists and shoot for publications and there's all this this other kind of avenue but for me personally I always um I always wanted to work for Artist Direct and I I think it's the way that I've been able to navigate a really solid career for myself I haven't um what most photographers do is they start working for publications publications don't pay so they get in this weird kind of eternal cycle of just um just working for online publications and, you know, progressing five, six, seven years and Mm. not being able to transfer that into a career or into um, where they're earning income. So, yeah, it was a bit of an accident, but, like, now, like, my main thing is trying to um, mentor young people coming through to say, like, there is actually another way. It could be, it's kind of a bit harder. I think you need to... definitely need to have better interpersonal relationships with artists and um, have those um, connections in the industry. But it's better from a long-term perspective if you want to be doing this 
as a career rather than going down online publication and working for free for your entire existence. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and now that you um, you know have that great connection with so many different artists and I guess are, are on the inside now, um, you know, conversely to when, when you started, what, what advice and what mentoring do you give younger people that are trying to get that start um, or, or how would you tell them to approach an artist, a band, a uh, publicist, I guess the right way? Yeah, that, this is the hardest thing to teach, I think, because a lot of it's actually quite organic. Like a lot of it is just like I was just working with my friends and, uh, you know, I was going to shows and making friends with those people and then, you know, meeting other people and and then they would be like, oh, you should come shoot our show. And it, it did really happen quite organically. And it's a very thing, a very hard thing to teach to say, you just need to be friends with everybody. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's essentially what networking is really um, without that weird kind of corporate language. It's like essentially people that like you and want to be around you but want to hire you at the same time. So, um, yeah, a lot of that, for, for me, the advice is to actually really make yourself part of the community so going to events, going to um, lots of shows, making friends with lots of people and then making them aware of what you do as well. And, um, you know, people used to joke about my hustle game all the time, but I was like on it. Like <laughs> I was, you know, and like I don't, again, I don't think it's, I do feel like it was in an organic way and I was just trying to make friends and be part of that community, but it just, it really worked for me to be a person that, um yeah, people wanted at the show to hang out and, and also take some photos. So, yeah, it's a real tricky one to um, to just say, just be friends with everybody. But sure. at the end of the day, like I think you find most industries are the same. Like it really is who you know. Um, and the flip side of that is like when you get in those positions and you are given those opportunities, you really want to be good. So it, it um, as much as as it is about who you know, you really want to have honed your skills to a point that you need to be able to deliver when those opportunities come your way. So it's definitely not to say that it's just who you know, like you want to be good because um, you want to get consistent uh, repeat work. So you want to be able to deliver. So I just used, you know, those 200 shows that I was shooting, like they were really honing my skills on providing content in often pretty shitty venues you know like that and that's one of the best things that um has happened is you know even even when I'm on tour now with Rule and he's one of the biggest artists in Australia if we go to Europe or go to America especially like a couple of years ago we weren't shooting in like massive venues we were shooting in small venues and I needed to rely on those skills that I got you know seven or eight years ago to be able to provide content that needs to go all over his social media into his tour book like it needs to look like it's as good as the other shows that have really great lighting and a you know people can shoot with their eyes closed so um all of the stuff that you learn at the start when you're doing those hard yards they really do benefit you um as you kind of progress in your career of, of course and I'm, I'm really glad you build on the whole it's not what you know, it's who you know, because that, that is, that's a huge truth. But to your point, and, and I was going to say it if you didn't, was it's also about what you do once you know that person, right, and what they know about you, um, you know, reliability, 
uh, getting the respect of that person, being consistent, as you said. Um, look, let's talk about fear of failure because, um, and, and talk me through even when you were starting off with the wedding photography because you kind of hinted at it there or going into the first kind of paying gig is, um, you know, when you've got a camera, it's, it's not that easy. You can't guarantee the lighting's going to be yeah. perfect. You can't guarantee you're going to forget to um, take the lens cap off uh, sometimes. Um, yeah. Talk talk about overcoming that because I'm, I'm sure you've had a stuff up or two along the way. Yeah, it's so funny. I Jarvis and I, my husband and I have talked about this before. We um, we have definitely both individuals that like fully back ourselves. We're a little bit like fake it till you make it. And I definitely at the start was like, um, there was an underlying anxiety, definitely. Like I can't stuff this up. But um, I also just backed myself I really did just back myself to be able to um if not deliver to the fullest extent do do the absolute best that I could in in every opportunity so um I think the fear of failure is always there but I've always been like the person that just says yes like if somebody asks me something and even if I'm not sure if I can do it I'll say yes and I'll then do research for the next week. I'm like, how the hell am I going to pull this off and work out, you know, do YouTube tutorials or what am I, how am I going to light this or do test shoots or um, make sure that I am in a position that I can deliver to the best of my ability. But I'm, I'm definitely the person that um, is saying yes to stuff that scares the shit out of me. I think that I like being put in, um, you know, being put outside my comfort zone, I guess. And that, that bit of anxiety for me, I know for some people is quite crippling. It's actually the opposite for me. That anxiety really drives me and it really, um, it's like this nervous tension that I just, I have to um, have to learn or create or just use that energy to, to somehow navigate what the hell I'm doing. So yeah, it, it's definitely there, but I think I just use that to, in a different way than um, other people that I know that are quite, um, yeah, can be quite crippled by just self-doubt or confidence issues or whatever. I, I'm just, I'm definitely of the um, opinion, just, just give it a crack. <laughs> work it out later. And have you had any, yeah, work it out later, yeah. have you had any big setbacks or anything that really knocked you on your, knocked you on your ass and just went, oh, I'm going to have to work through this or, or uh, take a different step through this? Trying to think of one that's happened. I can't think of a, a really, um, you know, there's, yeah, I can't think of anything that's like been a huge major um, setback since I guess the thing that happened before I picked up a camera. I feel like once I picked up a camera, for me it was almost like, this is what I this is what I was meant to do. This is what I'm meant to be doing. So like even if there were setbacks, it's like nothing nothing major that would ever have got in the way of me trying to progress because I feel like this is like you know like it feels like a life purpose thing. Like that's wow. can sound really wanky, but it just when I especially when I was doing the touring stuff, like I'm just like this is what I've always want wanted to do and what. I've dreamed of doing for so long. And then when, you know, in that position and you are delivering, I felt like I was doing my best work at the end of um, last year coming off a three-month tour. So it it just feels like all of those pieces had, you know, fallen into place after so many years of grinding and grinding and grinding. So, yeah, I can't think of a specific, like, huge setback, but um, 
yeah, I'm sure there was heaps and it was just about, you know, picking yourself up and, and continuing to, um, to be there. And like you said before, being really reliable, like that's for me, the biggest thing that I've always wanted in my career is to be reliable, consistent, you know, easy to contact, be the person if they need something at the last minute, I'll drop everything and do it. Like just be really um, present for your clients and, and they will appreciate it and they will come back to you, you know. Yeah, that's great advice. And, and I could imagine working in you know, this, kind of, this type of industry and you know, you've got um, you know, working with people of all different, uh, I guess, fame statuses. Um, it's important to, you know, really probably respect the people you're working with uh, as much as anything as well, right? Whether that's their privacy or yeah. whether that's their working that's, schedule. Yeah. That's so true. And um, that the big word around that is trust. Mm. Um, when you're working with people that are of, you know, whatever celebrity status and they need to be able to trust you, like you're coming into their inner sanctum. Um, if, you know, there might be an international artist that I'm working for that I've never met before, that I'm literally in their circle of, you know, 20 people um, and they need to know that, you know, you're not going to release stuff that you shouldn't release or, you know, make them look a certain way or um, that is so important for what we do. And it's definitely what um, I really strive for to show in my photographs is a level of trust with the artist. And I think that's something I really pride myself on is like I can see it in somebody's eyes when they trust me. It's definitely a thing that you can see. They are, they're allowing you into their life and, um, they're allowing you to document that to show people outside their, their circle. And it's um, really imperative that you respect that. And, um, yeah, you just, it's about knowing what people's boundaries are. Like I am constantly asking the artists that I work for, you know, permission to, to show certain photos and um, constantly running stuff by them and making sure they're okay or are comfortable with what, I'm also showing from my end because like the last thing I'd want to do is a photo out there that they don't want to be out there. Um, even though like legally they're my photos and I can do with them what I like, but like, it's not about that. Like, and I think there's a lot of people, even in my industry that completely forget this. And there's a lot of people that just, especially concert photographers that just go and shoot concerts for publications that they don't, have that relationship with artists I constantly see photos that are posted that I'm like that artist is not going to like that photo and the only thing that that does is that reflects badly on you because you the artist is going to be like well I'm never going to hire that person because that's a shit photo of me and there's like again it just goes into that trusting it's like if other artists see it too and go well, why would they post that photograph that's a really unflattering photo of that person or that's a bad angle or that's capturing something that, you know, shouldn't be seen on the outside or whatever it is. Like having that respect for, for artists, I think is, is imperative. And, and I know that there's people that vehemently disagree with me on this, that they think that it's all about documentation and um, yeah, I'm the complete opposite. Artists are the my, the, like the first and foremost consideration and I guess that's because I've worked so closely with them for you know nearly a decade so I understand um how they think and stuff that affects them mentally and and yeah it's it's they need to be um 
respected in that way, I think. Yeah, no, and I think that carries across all photography and, and uh, filmmaking as well, no matter whether it's sport or politics or um, you know, hum, human, human nature, et cetera. Um, you know, there's obviously different medias or, or channels that are from the tabloid side probably trying to um, you know, actually crack that and, and, and kind of take that angle. But you know, when you're working for a certain publication that's um, you know, there to support and, and amplify that artist or that sportsman or whatever, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a really good piece of advice and, and, and something that's going to be critical, obviously, to keeping that person's respect or keeping that artist's um, you know, trust and, and reliability as well. Um, totally, yeah. When you know when you're, I guess first engaging um, with a with a new artist to work with, um, talking through what your routine is there. If someone is about to come over from overseas, or you're mm-hmm. going overseas to work with them, um, do you go into research mode and preparation mode? Um, do sometimes you just have to wing it? Yeah, most of it's winging it because, to be honest, a lot of it happens last minute in the music industry. So you might find out like the day of the show or I generally generally don't do a lot of research. I try to be quite intuitive. Um, I think I'm really good at reading the room as well. So usually it's if I walk in and I can sense an artist doesn't want me um, in a particular space or, you know, too close or whatever. It's, it's kind of about like sounding out boundaries and you can definitely speak to like the tour manager or people who are involved in what those boundaries are. And, and often they will word you up and just be like, okay, this artist is totally happy for you to be inside the dressing room or this artist just wants you here and whatever. Uh, and then sometimes you have to just like totally sound it out. Like I am hyper aware of vibes I think like I can definitely sense if there's a moment that I'm not meant to be in a room um you know I should remove myself or I should be documenting it or um it's something I'm pretty aware of um so and again if that's just about respecting boundaries and um you know trying to understand that there's it's really hard for artists to do what they do like it's it's they have an incredible job to, you know, psych themselves up to a point where they have to be completely vulnerable on stage and, and perform and, and we just need to respect that. So I, um, yeah, definitely. And that, that just comes from just like making eye contact with the person or asking, are you cool with me to be in here or do you want me to bounce right now? Whatever it is. And just like um, understand, I think just understanding people in that situation. I think if, if you're a person that's not great with that, this might not be the best um, form of photography for you or maybe just it is, you know, just shooting concerts for publications where you don't have as much kind of interpersonal relationships with the artist because you definitely need to respect um, and be able to sense when, you know, you're wanted or not wanted. That's, that's a really good insight. So so there's actually, you know, in your role and I guess in, in the work that you do, there's a lot of EQ as well as the IQ of knowing how to, um, you know, use a camera and, and know the craft and know the technology. The actual EQ element uh, is big time. Personal relationships, like empathy for people. That, yeah. I feel like the EQ is like actually more important and um, it's actually really interesting. A, a really well-known concert photographer recently tweeted this and he got a lot of hate. He was kind of like, you know, taking photos is almost like the least important thing when it comes to touring with artists. And I completely agree with him. I think we absolutely need to be able to take a photo, but to be honest, 
most people can do that now. <laughs> like that, that technical part of photography is getting easier and easier. And there's a lot of kids coming through now that take really brilliant photos and um, can do what we do really well. Um, what's harder to navigate is, yeah, really understanding, um, understanding artists, being super chill and like on tour, like there's no, there's no like, um, routine like you have to be very much go with the flow um when I'm touring I'm I'm as a female touring with you know probably eight or nine dudes mostly um can be confined spaces on a tour bus uh you can't be precious like you just need to like roll with the punches go with the flow stuff can just change at the drop of the hat like you definitely can't be a person that's super particular <laughs> so all of those things like are just really really important um if you were the type of person that was you know kicking up a fuss every two seconds because i don't know something happened and you're not getting like we're, we're like the least important people on a tour so you know we're not getting what we need it's like well you just gotta roll with it um so again these are this is stuff that's really hard to teach and um it, it's probably why there's only a you know, not that many people doing what I do as um, as a career because it's actually a, a pretty tricky thing to to teach. But it is possible. Like there are definitely people that are doing it. It's just learning how to navigate what's most important. And often it's like the technical skills of photography is not the most important thing. No, that's great. That's great. And, and, and you know, I guess what let's – digging a little bit further into the hard stuff because every dream every dream job you know has has realities as well right whether it's totally. getting up early traveling yeah. being by yourself etc like what, <laughs> what's the other hard stuff yeah there's so much hard stuff I mean like you know 90% of what we do is not taking photos <laughs> take sure. that right now there's like the reality of just the business stuff so um, whether that is even just like um accounting or just um, being on top of your invoicing or sitting at a desk editing thousands of photos like that's the reality is even you know on tour you have to do that stuff really quickly so um, not having a lot of time to finesse your work and being able to um, you have to get stuff out really quickly turnaround times are really short definitely um, lack of sleep is uh it can be a thing if you're touring um yeah not much personal space and being away from your loved ones for a long time like um you know I was away nearly three months last year and and um was booked for upcoming pending coronavirus stuff like you know quite a lot of touring coming up so that's you know can be a huge strain on relationships and um depending on what people's um personal relationships are like like I'm so fortunate I have the most incredible husband who's like actually loves his alone time and and for context um, your, your husband's uh, creative as well right he's a video producer yeah. editor production yeah, filmmaker um <clears throat> so he travels a lot as well so um, but he's incredibly supportive of my career and is so, so stoked to me and, and um, but also is, you know, totally fine if I go away and need to go away for extended periods of time and 
really supportive in that way. And, you know, that's not a reality for a lot of people. And the other thing is that we, we chose not to have children. Like that's when you're talking about um, kind of sacrifices for career and stuff, like it would be impossible doing what I'm doing right now if we had children, like it just wouldn't be possible. One of us would need to be home and most likely it would be me. So I definitely wouldn't be touring the world. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a thing that a lot of people, you know, most people want to have children. So um, is that a reality of being able to tour eight, nine months, whatever? It's probably not. So um, that's a, that's a yeah, for us, it was the right decision and we're, we're stoked and we absolutely, you know, we've got our fur babies and um, I've got Jetta. She's here. I think I heard one bark on before. Lap. Oh, there you go. Super cute. I've <laughs> uh, got Jetta on my lap, but um, yeah, we, you know, we have our dogs and, we're very much in love with them and like for us it was the right decision and um but you know that's not a reality for everybody so um making it work and again this this falls heavily um detrimental for women so it's a it's another reason why you don't see a lot of female touring music photographers it's like incredible sacrifice to be able to or they're you know they're younger and they're doing it in their 20s and stuff so yeah I, I can only assume um, you and, and, and others that you've, other females that you've, you've worked with have, have helped, um, you know, improve the gender balance uh, despite sort of some of the other um, you know, stuff to work through as a woman or as a man in the profession. Um, mm. you know, do you believe, like, is that true? Is, is there more women coming into, um, you know, your type of professional photography now? Yeah, it's so wild. When I started, like, almost 10 years ago, um, I didn't see any females. Like it was just like I'd go to a concert and then, I mean, also the the genre that I was shooting um, kind of lends itself to to being more male-dominated anyway because I was shooting hip-hop at that stage. But even then you just, it was so rare to see another female photographer. And in the last five years it's like absolutely exploded. Like it is, it's, I now believe the best music photographers in the world are coming out of Australia that we have just got such incredible talent. Um, and we have a really, really supportive engaged community as well. There's a group on Facebook that's just like female music photographers. Um, and it's really supportive. It's a really great space for, um, you know, younger girls to ask for advice because what would happen often is that some of the, the bigger groups that were more, male dominated and a lot of older men that had been in the industry for a long time um, really for some reason would be quite patronizing or, or they would, you know, someone would ask a question and they would just shoot them down. And a lot of people just were too afraid to ask. They were also very um, insular with the advice that they gave. They wouldn't share things like rates or, Uh, I'm like the exact opposite of that. I'm like, I'm like an open resource for people that want any information because I had to navigate this stuff and I had no idea what I was doing. I had to work out rates. I had to, you know, trial and error, you know, you know, probably undercharged for so long and probably, you know, on the flip side, you know, might price yourself out while you're trying to like navigate what you're supposed to charge. So I'm like, I have an open door policy essentially for any young female music photographers that want to ask me questions, DM me at any time, um, any of that stuff, just because I didn't have that. So um, I'm really passionate about trying to teach as much as possible because 
Like there's enough work out there. It's just people haven't navigated on how to actually either ask for money or ask how, you know, for how much money or it's just that constant thing as a creative. And I think females definitely struggle with this is putting a value on their work, uh, especially yep. young females that are in their, you know, early 20s. It's it's something that's super tricky. Um, so, yeah, again, just really passionate about just teaching that process, being um, confident in like, no, confident in your abilities. This is what I charge. I know that I'm worth this. If they say no, they say no. Um, yeah. Is... Is there um, what's the question I want to ask you? Is there, is there if, if there was a little you know twenty year old Michelle coming up, uh, budding photographer, it looked like she had the the glint in her eye, had the had the EQ skills, knew what to do with the camera, um, but I guess at to that point hadn't really invested into um, you know looking into or understanding or learning other parts of the business game. Um, you know, as, mm-hmm. as you said, there's the realities invoicing. Um, you know, I'm sure you've yeah. done a spreadsheet or two just for the hell of it. Um, is, is there any, um, I guess, studies or, or specific learning around that, that business skills you, you, you suggest people do or, or is that just... Oh, that's such a good question. And I, I probably haven't really thought about that because I guess that's some of the skills that I had previous to, you know, photography. One of the best things I think is that I did come from a pretty corporate, like, business background in, especially with the marketing and stuff like that, is that I had my head across a lot of, a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, I think basic kind of accounting invoicing stuff. And like, there's some really great, like I use FreshBooks, which I think is just a really great account is, you know, QuickBooks or there's, I think there's other different ones that are just a really good way of being able to see exactly where you are at any point. I think that's really important because it's, um, you don't want to forget about invoices or who owes stuff or, you know, you can use spreadsheets, but I, I just find this way, way easier and way easier to input your expenses, way easier when it's, you know, time to do bass. It's just all, you've already done it. So um, yeah, definitely getting some like kind of basic accounting software, I think would be um, definitely good advice. Um and, the, and, and, and I imagine the, the, the smartphone is, is obviously enabled so much, uh, I guess, better resources for people in the in, literally in the palm of their hand through different applications yeah. and software programs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, we're so lucky that we live, you know, in a time that we do have all of these resources. It would have been a lot trickier to do this, you know, even 10 years ago, I think 20 years ago. Um, it, we do have a lot of those resources that we need. Um so, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's probably the most important thing. The other thing that I think people really struggle with is like time management. And again, it's really hard thing to teach. Like how do you be self-motivated or how do you, um, yeah. what worked for me when I first started is having um, a studio space that I would go to to work to okay. every day. So um, I, I started at a studio space I've I've still got the same space and it's been I think nine years but um I tried to work from home from the first maybe like six months and what I found is because my husband works from home I found at that time it just wasn't working we were both we had a a house was different than where we are now it was we were kind of on top of each other and it was just hard to get that separation that work-life balance separation so I actually chose to to rent out a studio that I would go to every day to do work and up until 
probably like November last year, I was doing that really, really consistently. Um, since I got back from tour, I've started working from home more because I was away for so long and I am enjoying actually being home. Um, we have a, we, we live in um, a house that's like a four-story townhouse. So like we are, Jarvis is on the bottom floor and then we, the second floor is where we sleep. And then this is the, I guess, living room. So I've got like a space here in the corner um, that I've set up. And I actually really enjoy working from home at the moment, but also I am am very, very self-motivated. I am very driven by deadlines and, and clients and what they need and, and being able to meet those deadlines doesn't matter kind of how late I need to work or whatever. So I think time management is really important. I'm huge on um, making lists. I love okay. ticking off lists. So every day I write a list of what I need to do and I just that I just love that. And it's like, you know, actual paper and pen, yep. analog, yep. tick it off. <laughs> it feels good when you're like ticking that stuff. So, um, yeah, they're little tips that I work for me that I that I really, um, that, yeah, I really like. Let, let, let's talk about time. Um, and, and I don't need to know the exact minute, but rough mm. pie chart percentage wise, how much is shooting versus mm-hmm. editing versus business? in what you do and I don't know I if that I don't know if that three-part pie chart is enough yeah, to sort yeah. of sum it up but you can f- yeah. feel free to make off more slices if you want I guess well then there's also like um time for yourself and stuff like that that's really important I think as a as a creative but um it depends on the project to be honest so it depends okay. on whether it's um you know a press shot shoot that I've done in a studio or if it's you know, a live shoot or if it's on tour because, you know, on tour you're kind of working like I probably work, I don't know, well, you're kind of always on because I'm documenting stuff even though it doesn't feel like often it just feels like you're hanging out but I've always got a camera on me. So um, the actual show is an hour and I was getting my edit editing time down while I was on tour to under an hour. Um, so, so I could turn around photos really fast and have them available the next morning. So that's a super quick turnaround. That's like lightning speed getting, sure. you know, I might take a thousand photos of a show going through a thousand photos really, really quickly picking out the great ones, color grading, uploading them to Dropbox. That was taking me an hour. So that's, and that's just that, again, that's practice that a, and muscle memory that's got you to that that's, point, right? That's just like, that's repetition. That's just like, you know, doing that so many times that you can do it in your sleep. Um, when I'm doing, yeah, like press shot shoot, the, it depends on kind of what package they book me for. I usually do two hours or a half day, which is like four hours or sometimes a full day. Um, so if it's, you know, say half day, which is m- most probably common, that's four hours of shooting, but then you've got like set up time, pack down time. So usually, you know, a whole day can go, you know, on one kind of shoot between what you're doing for that particular client. And then with the edit, um, I do a proofing system. So like I, I go through all the photos and pick out the ones that I feel like are usable, like anything that I'm personally happy with being out in the world. Um, And I send them, I've got a proofing system on my 
website, which is, I use format, which is incredible. And they've got um, like at the back end, actually a proofing system that you can upload uh, just low res proofs that the client can click through and they can favorite them at their end. So then I can see which ones they're favorited. So yeah, that, that process would probably take maybe another half day just to go through everything, color grade them upload them to the system and then once once they've picked their finals and it depends on the package again let's say they've picked 20 finals um, that's the retouching process and that depends on how much retouching is needed but that potentially might be between an hour or another half day yeah do you do all that yourself now or do you ever pass that on to a third party I do all that myself it's still like I find that very much part of my style if that makes sense like I think there's definitely people that um yeah can outsource that stuff and I actually really enjoy it as well if it was work that I didn't enjoy maybe I would consider sure outsourcing I really really enjoy retouching I enjoy color grading I enjoy that whole process um so at this stage it's not something that I would yeah want to give up to anybody else there's definitely I know definitely a lot of wedding photographers um I'm not shooting a lot of weddings anymore but um you know, people that are shooting 60 weddings a year definitely outsource all of their editing because it's just the volume is just too much, you know. Um, but for what I'm doing, you know, I might only do two or three press shots a week, maybe four. Um, I just have to make sure I allow enough time in between. That's that's the thing that's hard to balance sometimes is if your bookings are so crazy, people are wanting to book you every day or you don't have those days in between to do you know um so that's what i have i've had to become better at and actually just push people for you know i can't shoot with you for another two weeks or whatever because i need those days in between to be able to to deliver to clients no i completely understand so project to project sometimes 28 hours a day sometimes less um yeah yeah honestly like i feel like the work-life balance especially in the last couple of years i've really got that balance yeah. Um, pretty down pat. I and you, you know, got to do I the hard yards like, in the early days. That's the other thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, and, and the other thing is too, is like I can charge more for my services now, which means I'm not having to do every single little job. Um, yeah. I can say no to stuff or I can price myself out of people that can't afford me. And that's, I'm actually really comfortable with that now. Uh, I'm like, this is what I am. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about people saying no it just means that I have more time for myself. You know, I like to go to the gym every day. I like to, I don't usually start my day until probably like 11 o'clock. Um, but you know, like a dream job straight away to some people. Yeah, totally. So, uh, um, uh, but then, you know, you can be working really late if you've got gigs, you know, might be editing until two o'clock in the morning. So it does balance out. Um, it's, I don't have any consistency. My, like I, there's no one day that's the same. That's the really hard thing is that people like always want to do, um, you know, work experience and stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea how you could do that in a structured format because my day, my days are so wildly all over the place. So it's, that's, I mean, that's the other reason that I'm really passionate about starting to do some live streaming or teaching that way is it, it's just not really possible to do it in the current um, kind of school situation where you go, oh, we need to do a week yep. of work experience. You know, it's not possible. Let, look, let's. Um, we talked a, a little bit, of, oh, a lot about, um, I guess, the straight up um, 
bulk of what you do around gig and, and personality photography and artist photography. You've also built um, you know, quite a repertoire now of other projects that you've worked on. You mentioned your first book, Rise. Um, you've, yep. you've went on to do you know, different exhibitions and, and shows of, of your photography. And, and one that I'd really love you to talk about um, uh, and sort of introduce is, is the project that you did called Her Sound, Her Story uh, and, yep. and kind of what that bulk of work and what that project was. And then the real, real interesting thing I'd love to get an insight on is um, – being a photographer and having you know, a full-time job there, how do you branch out and how do you look for other opportunities and other activities to invest your time in? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually can't believe I haven't touched on that yet because it's such a, it was such a major part of my life for so long. Um, yeah, so I started a project, the project called Her Sound, Her Story, um, just after I finished Rise, probably about six months after I finished Rise, I was looking at my portfolio and I was like, holy shit, it's a dude fest. Like it's just all guys. I've only worked and it wasn't a conscious thing. It was just like I was in the hip hop scene. The majority of people that were making music in hip hop at that time were men. Yep. Um, They're also all my friends. Like I'm very comfortable in that scene and, and it hadn't even really crossed my mind. And at the same time, it was the same time that a lot of statistics were coming out about gender disparity in kind of everything, but I was, you know, obviously honing in on music. So, you know, Triple J, Hottest 100 statistics would come out and there'd be this huge gender disparity. This was like 2015. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, why? This is music. This is not like engineering, you know. It's not something that you would think that would have a gender disparity because, you know, naturally there's people that are um, more interested in certain things, I guess, with music. And and also too, when I started looking at the statistics of who was studying music, it's 50-50. So there's actually yeah. no argument to say that women aren't interested in music. They absolutely are. They were studying music. But what happened is that when it came to time to actually producing and putting that music out, so people that were registered with APRA, there's this huge drop off Wow! and it drops off to about 20%, 20% of the total denomination of people that are making music are women. And I was just like, what is going on? This is wild to me. Like it's, it's, there's something happening. Um, everyone was talking about the fact that, that there was a gap, but no one was actually talking about why. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, that kind of sparked my interest in, um, doing originally it was going to be a personal project again because I'm a photographer I was like okay well I want to shine a light on women I want because that's what I did with Rise with Rise I was like okay no one's talking about Australian hip-hop I want to shine a light on Australian hip-hop so originally it was going to be like okay I want to shine a light on these women like this I know that there's incredible female artists in this country like we just need to get them more attention then I'm like, no, it's actually bigger than a photography project. I feel like we actually need to talk to the women. We need to understand what's happening here. So at that stage, um, I asked my filmmaker friend, Claudia, to come on board. And what what we're going to do is we're going to do a photo shoot. And then at the end of the photo shoot, we were just going to sit down and have a conversation. And I had kind of floated the word documentary, like, let's do a documentary, not really knowing what that meant but um that ended up being kind of a four-year journey of um going on to produce a documentary and 
it ended up being an 88 series a portrait series um that we yeah we did an exhibition uh it's now in the national sound and film archives and we also have a documentary um which is yeah pretty amazing and and i I would assume that this would all you know get started and and actually get completed because not only um you know i guess is it is it a job but it's actually it is that it is a passion project it's something that you're critically interested in and probably build interest over time as well but you know, yeah, you actually had to, um, you know, complete this uh, and achieve this goal of yours and get through it all. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. Um, you know, you have to almost go nope. back. To, yeah. So, yeah, I guess how it's obviously a critical part of it. If someone's out there thinking, oh, I want to, I want to achieve something, I want to do a documentary, they need to need to have that purpose and the why and the, and the passion there. I think the purpose and the why is the most important thing. Um, we had never done anything like that before, either Claudia. Or myself, we couldn't get any funding because how film funding works in Australia is that you need to have done at two or three before before they'll give you funding. So we couldn't get funding. No, and nobody really. We tried, but I think we didn't even really know what we would what we were doing or, or what it was going to look like. So it was hard for us to even pitch it because we didn't really know ourselves. So, um, and we just we just went along and just did 50 interviews with, you know, different women um, and then made the thing ourselves. And we did everything, like every little thing that you, you know, when you see a documentary, the credits rolling at the end and there's like a hundred names, like we just did all of the things, like every single little thing. Uh, and, And a lot of that was Claudia having so many incredible skills in, the video, you know, the actual film production side of things and being able to do things like um, animation and um, being able to, to direct and edit and, be, you know, she, she had so many incredible skills in that. But, you know, we, we did all the filming, we did all the sound, we did all the interviews, we did all of the photo shoots that were attached to the animation stuff, um, you know, we had to clear all of the songs, like all the stuff that licensing that we had no idea about, like so much work, so many times we wanted to quit, so many tears, yeah. so many times it's like, what, why are we doing this? What purpose, to, you know, what just, um, I think the main thing is those once it was released and it had such um, incredible impact in our industry, uh, it definitely made it all worth it. So. Uh, it, it's worth it if you put the hard yards in, but it's it's so impossible to even quantify to people that haven't done a project like this. Like, so we both have, you know, our businesses that are running full time, and we're doing a documentary on top of it. Like, we would be up talking to each other usually over Facebook chat just about all the different things that we had to do. You know, one or two o'clock in the morning. We also ran a concert when we launched it an exhibition, like all of that stuff, logistics, we did ourselves. Like, you know, we essentially wore every single hat, like event manager, booking agent, travel agent, like everything. And a lot of people were just like, how the hell did you do this? You got to achieve. I don't know. When you, when you put your mind to something, it's actually pretty amazing what you can achieve. And that's definitely one thing that's, I've learned is like you you can do stuff if you put the hard yards in. So 
um, you know, a lot of people, you know, you definitely need to get your breaks along the way and, and you know, meet certain people that, that, um, that can help you with certain things. But, like, you, 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 the buck stops with you at the end of the day. <laughs> like, yeah, you've put got the to- hours in. And yeah, yeah and it, it, it can't always be adrenaline or it can't always be excitement. I, I imagine that gets you through some of those, some of those days or hours. So. Well, with Claudia and I, it was like the balance of like, if one person was really low picking the other person up or if, you know, Claudia's in a, a mess of tears and being able to say, you know, we need to keep going. This is worth it. And vice versa. And my husband was incredible. Again, he has made documentaries before, so he was really um, helpful in certain aspects of making us see things a certain way or just being able to help with advice but essentially it was just the two of us so um yeah I I feel like a lot of people it's really hard again to tell to like to teach this stuff or to to really communicate how many hours or how how much work this is like I don't think there's anything that you can do to actually communicate it until you've done a project like this it's it's just, I don't have the words. And it's, just and it's hours gritty. and hours. And it's it's gritty as well. And I'd, I'd ask, like, how, how, was, how does someone see that film now? Because I think one thing that really does come out of it is the hours and hours of, of work you put in. Um, you know, there's a lot of interviews in there. There's, there's some real, um, you know, f- I guess truthful footage where you can see that, you know, you and Claudia have spent, spent time on this uh let alone the actual time and the effort and the work that the artists that you're um you know communicating with and showcasing have as well and i think it's a it's a really critical watch uh, not only just because of the you know, gender equality situation and obviously being super timely coming out i think just before the whole me too movement as well right um, like it came out two months after the me too movement launched it was actually wild the timing so it was at a, it was actually at a point that I felt like people were ready to listen to women's stories. It's such a beautiful documentary. It is very moving. It's not depressing. It's actually quite uplifting. It's quite inspiring. Everybody that's seen it feels like they feel so motivated after it. Um, and yeah, you, so you can watch it on Vimeo on demand. That's the streaming service that we've put it up. Um, so you can rent or buy it, you know, just like any other film. Um, and yeah we i mean we're both really proud of it it was i mean the flip side of it it's been really great for our careers outside of you know what we've done with the film um you know claudia's got so much music video work out of that and i've got so much photography work out of it because people know who we are we became um kind of like the voices for gender equality in music for a while like we were on all the panels and we were um you know really visible as just not not photographers and and filmmakers but actual um, women within the music industry with a voice and um, it was really great for our personal kind of identities and I don't like to use the word brand but like you know so people knew who we were and um, which is always really great for your business as well so that's like the, the it's not something that we thought about at the start but I guess that was a benefit that came outside of having a project that was so um, so well supported, really well acknowledged. Um, there was a lot of media coverage, so it you know it did benefit us in that way, which was great. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's so good, and it also showcases you know your diversity as a, an artist and a professional in your your industry as well. So I do encourage everyone to go have a look at that. It's um, 
I think yeah, everyone will get something out of it. <laughs> Motivation at, at the very least um, beyond a bunch of other stuff. Look, I want to wrap this up. I really appreciate your time, Michelle. It's been super awesome. Uh, before I let you go, I do have a, a question from a listener. We do a question of the week every episode. Cool. Um, and I think Love this, it. I think this one's really interesting actually, um, especially if someone's out there thinking about making a, a documentary because they don't always uh, make you rich <laughs> as people may, may, uh, may think or not. So this question comes from Paul. Uh, and he asks, what if my dream job doesn't pay the bills? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so my dream job definitely didn't pay the bills for a long time. Like it was, um, like I said, even though I went professional, it doesn't mean I was earning a overly professional wage for a long time. Um, what I firmly believe in is if you if you put the hours in and you – genuinely love what you do and people can see that that passion comes through it will eventually turn into something that does pay the bills I really believe that unfortunately what happens is like the reality of the hours that you do need to put into the dream job can sometimes be so overwhelming that you 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 need to do it have a day job or whatever the day job actually is just distracting you from reaching your potential in your dream job. So where it's possible, I've always just said, put as much time as you absolutely can into what you want to do. Um, because the sooner that you can do that, the sooner the payoff's going to come at the other end. Obviously with life and, and situations, that's not always possible, but doing it as much as you can, not just being like, oh yeah, well, I like to shoot concerts. So I'm going to go shoot one concert a week. That's not going to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's hard yards, it's hours, it's, it, it's the reality. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They just want to, you know, they want to say, oh yeah, I can do that. I, I see that Michelle's doing that. And I want to work with an artist like rule. And it's like, well, that's, you know, that's 10 years work prior that you've seen before I've worked with an artist like rule. So it's, it's quite imp- important that, you know, those honing your skills, making the contacts, putting the time into your business, all of that stuff um, is really, really, really imperative. But I do think it's possible. It's just like, you know, the 10,000 hour thing, it's just true, unfortunately. <laughs> awesome, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And Paul, uh, I wish you luck, mate. I don't know. You didn't say what he's, what he's doing, but um, flick us a message and let us know what your, what your project is. I, I wish you the best. Um, hey, thanks again so much, Michelle. I really appreciate having you on Dream Job Ready. Uh, you've been awesome. My and <laughs> good luck in isolation. And we look forward to uh, tuning in on Twitch and seeing uh, some lessons yes. from you. Oh, yes. And my Twitch channel is the same as my Instagram and my Twitter, which is just Michelle G. Hunter. And it's Hunter with a D, H-U-N-D-E-R. So all of my um, socials are the same. So you can find me and come and pop in on one of my streams. <laughs> 100%. Learn some stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Cool. Thank you so much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 